I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav. Back again uh, to talk about a lot of things, primarily the MK Dons game. We've got a preview with uh, Toby Locke from the MK Citizen, the local paper for their local area in Milton Keynes. Uh, We've got a little chat in the middle of today's pod with him for you to catch up on. Uh, But first and foremost, I will introduce my co-host today, my pal on the mic there. It's Phil West. Hi, Phil. Hi, Gav. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, mate. Yeah, like I said, just at the top there, we've got lots to talk about. We're going to try and yep. keep it concise, but it's uh, it's never dull being a Sunderland fan, is it, Phil? And this oh, week never. No, has, it's always eventful. Well, yeah, this week's been mental, really. Aside from the fact that we have such a huge game at the weekend, yep. quite a lot's gone on, hasn't there? Uh, I don't know oh, where, yes. really know where to start before we get into the sort of game at the weekend. We'll, we'll go over the majority of what's gone on this week, so. It was revealed, wasn't it, in the Athletic earlier in the week, the exact division of shares between the Sunderland ownership group. Ownership yep. group being uh, Kira Louis Dreyfus, Juan Satori, Stuart Donald, and Charlie Methven. Yeah, I think we all know really that that particular information was brought light because on uh, Wednesday night there was a meeting between the club and the supporters' collective group. As we record, the details of which we don't know yet, because obviously they've got to produce minutes and all those minutes. Then those minutes have got to be agreed upon by everyone who was at the meeting. So yeah. these things can take a few days to work out. So the exact content of that meeting, we don't know. But what we do know is that the key questions from the majority of support as going into that meeting were around the division of shares, who exactly owns the club and in yeah. what sort of capacity, who's running things on a day-to-day basis. Other things such as, you know, how involved are the other owners? Because we know Kirill is very present at the minute in terms of yeah. around the club, but are any of the Madrox group still involved on a day-to-day basis? So, yeah, that article in The Athletic, Phil, that was put out in effect to try and address a number of things before it came out in the meeting minutes. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Let's just quickly run over the ownership stuff. The division of shares, 41% of the club is owned by Kirill Louis Dreyfus, which yeah. when you stack that up, that means that the Madrox partners have 59%. But yeah. I mean, I'm no business expert. I don't know how exactly these things weigh up, but we are told and told again, and we have been told by Kirill and by Steve Davidson, the, the club's COO, that 
regardless of who owns what, Kirill's the man running the running the show at the club. Nobody yeah. else is involved. I think um, there was a there was a, another uh, set of quotes that came out following the original article in the Athletic. Quotes from a representative of of Stuart Donald, which I presume was probably Charlie talking to them, but you know under that guys, and then Charlie himself providing quotes. And in both instances, they both said whether you believe it or not, they both said. They were happy to sell their shares in the club to Kirill, and they also said that they they weren't in, basically said they weren't involved in the day to day running of the club. Mm-hmm. So, I've I've tried to fly over that, but a lot has gone on. A lot of oh, information yes. has been put out into the ether. I think people are confused. People are angry. A little bit upset. They feel a little bit misled. Yeah. What do you think? Well, the waters are very murky, aren't they, Gav? With this, and they have been for quite a while now. There seems to be this smoke screen around. Who's actually got their hands on the levers of power at the club? How much influence certain individuals hold, etc., etc. From my point of view, I think it's simple. Madrox are beyond the point of no return in terms of their reputation with the supporters. That much is obvious. People have had enough of Stuart Donald, Charlie Methvin. They want them out with the club. Understand me, I don't think the club can fully move forward until they're gone. Dreyfus, on the other hand, is young. He's relatively inexperienced when it comes to football ownership, although he's got involvement through his family with, I think, Marseille, etc., etc. And I think he's finding out just how perilous and how tricky football club ownership can be, particularly when you're young and you're making your way in the football world from a business point of view at a club like ours where there is such a demand, there's a restless supporter base, we've had, we've been scarred by previous ownerships, etc., etc., etc. From my point of view, it does feel... And this, again, might be perception. It might not necessarily be true. It does feel as though we are, if not fully in a new era, on the fringe of a, of a whole new era at the football club in terms of the way we're operating. Dreyfus has been very complimentary about what he feels can be achieved with the club. It doesn't feel like Madrox's fingerprints, if you like, are as significantly making a mark on the club as they were a year and a half ago. Now, but a lot of this is about perception. The problem we've got, Gavers, at the minute, as you well know, is that you know for every bad PR move the club makes, and they've made a few over the past couple of weeks with Roy Keane, etc., etc., people seem to think that that is a sign that Madrox is still running the show and that it's all PR to try and distract and deflect and so on and so forth. I think, personally, what the logical conclusion that I think we need to arrive at here is some point, Dreyfus needs to take full control. He needs to yeah. basically get both hands on the wheel, assume full control. Now, whether that's with a, you know, just a just over that threshold of being the majority shareholder or even the larger stake at some point further mm. down the track. I think if he can do that, he will undoubtedly prove to people that he can achieve things with this football club. And yeah. I think what people want is clarity from him. If he gets his hands fully on the wheel and says, right, I'm the captain now, I'm going to surround myself with good people, We're going to move the club forward. I think that would appease the supporter base. That, for me, is what needs to happen at some stage. Yeah, there were some quotes today from Steve Davidson around the the ownership situation. I'll just quickly read through them Um, because it's the way they're worded that's interesting to me. I think I saw the headline originally when it came out in one of the local papers and then when I actually read the story myself, I thought, I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. But, yeah, I'll read them quickly. Uh, This is from Steve Davidson. I understand that a statement was made on Wednesday morning from Stuart and Charlie that they are willing to sell their shares in the football club. Clearly, for any transaction to happen, you need to have a willing seller and also a willing buyer. So it appears that we have willing sellers in terms of what they have said. We believe that Kirill is interested in purchasing more shares in the football club 
moving forward. Not now, but moving forward. Yeah. That was the interesting bit. So you would hope that they could reach some conclusion around the sale of those shares to Kirill. Now, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like all out, yeah, he's gonna buy them out, but I think eventually that is the plan. I think that's probably always been the plan, really, in terms yeah. of what, what happens. I think they'll cling on as long as they can to get as much money out of this club as they possibly can. Yeah. One school of thought is, well, who blames them? It's it's their share, their sell, you know. The, it's business, yeah. Yeah, but on the other hand, like you just said, it's clear we can't move forward fully until they go. Yeah. So, and, and I wonder whether sort of the reaction from the fans and... I mean, we might we might learn more on the back of the meeting minutes coming out, but I I just wonder after the you know the whole fiasco around this this week whether that might push Kirill to move at a, a faster pace than he was perhaps hoping to. It could do, yeah, and I think I think it's it, it, it a lot of this is a test of his nerve as well as as, as a businessman because again he hasn't had that he's not like a gnarled businessman of twenty years experience of cutting deals and hustling all around the world you know he's still making his way so. Um, yeah, the way that the way that the, the the statement that you just read was worded, Gavin. I think again we come back to this. There's been a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty about from the communication point of view. You know, it's been neither here nor there, and it's been that way for quite some time. And from that comes confusion, come rumours, speculation, etc., etc., etc. But I would, I, I think that what you've just said there might be. I think that might be quite accurate. I think maybe he intended to kind of just dip his toe into the water just a little bit, just to see what was going to happen and then maybe increase his stake as time went on. I don't see any reason why. No, I don't think he's going to go all out and assume full control, you know, with, with one signing of a contract. I think he will slowly increase his stakeholding. You know, it's it's perfectly obvious, Gav, for, and, and it has been for a while, that Donald and Methven are going to cling on to their shares to get as big a payout as possible. Now, that is very questionable morally. Certainly, without any question of doubt, you know, we, we know that from, from the, their reputation. But that's obviously the way it's going to be. And, you know, the only way that, again, the only way that this is fully resolved is if Dreyfus does grasp that nettle at some point and does take them and does, you know, reduce them to the status of very minority shareholders. And yeah. ideally, they sell up entirely. Yeah. And aside from that, a lot of the um, confusion and the irritation has been sparked because Charlie's turned up at games and he's been yes. pictured at games. I think, that, to be honest, I think I remember saying stuff about that during COVID, like when you literally couldn't get into games. Yeah. He was turning up at games then. So I, I don't know whether this has just started happening again recently or or whether he's actually been going all season, but people are just cottoning onto it. Yes. I remember seeing pictures of him at Doncaster and a couple of other games recently. I mean, in my opinion, that needs to be knocked on the head straight away. If Kirill's got yeah. any sense... He needs to turn around to Charlie Methon and say, look, it's not good for us that you're coming to games. People are seeing it. It's causing anger amongst the fans. It's distracting from the task at hand, which is that we need to get out of this bloody league and we need we need to yeah. focus fully on the, what goes on on the pitch. And your continued presence around this club is not helping anybody. So no. obviously the longer term aim is buy him out. But short term, he needs to stop turning up at games yeah, because it's, 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 it's really antagonising people, isn't it? Yeah, again, it it's it just you know it just it, it it's a it's a breeding ground for for rumours and speculation, isn't yeah, it? If you say yeah. that you know you say Dreyfus in Methven's company, and automatically people start thinking, well, you know, well, hang on, Methven's got Dreyfus's ear here. He's well, whispering this, this, that, and the other. That, thing. that was that was what um, confused know. about what what Steve Davidson said, because you listen to the way that's worded. I understand that a statement was made on Wednesday morning that they are willing to sell their shares. I think, well, Steve, you must talk to Charlie Methven yeah. every game because. He sits next to you at yeah. away games, 
So why 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 are we now pretending like this is new information to, to yeah. you? Just I think a lot of the a lot of the anger Phil has come from it's it a lot of it's disingenuous and it's misleading. You know, yeah. he does it's, like like we were told he's resigned as a director and he has nothing more to do with the club, and then he's turned up at games and people are going, well, hang on. You know, was that just bullshit? Is that more bullshit from them? You just don't know, and this is the problem. It's, you know, with with emotions running so high at the moment, anyway, because our form isn't great, and obviously missing out on Roy Keane, which would have been disappointing to a lot of people. You know, it, it, it the last thing the club needs to do is continue to shoot itself in the foot by, you know, meta and attending games. Now, you know, it's not a dictatorship. You can't be forced not to attend games, which it's important to say that. But I think you're absolutely right. If they are, you know. Dreyfus needs to maintain as much distance between himself and Methrin as is, as is possible because not only would that calm the fans down, I think, it would also symbolise the fact that Dreyfus is his own man and he is on his own path and he and that path will lead to him assuming sole control. So a lot of it is about perception and image, Gavin. As, as, as you rightly say, you know, I think that's a lot of the, the confusion and the kind of contradictory statements aren't helping matters either. No, we'll probably be able to react more once we know exactly what went on at the supporter collective meeting um yeah. on Wednesday night. I'll be really interested to read what was what's in the in the minutes because yeah, absolutely. I think I think if you if you remember back to the last meeting, the reaction to those minutes weren't good because there was no. a lot of a lot of swerving and dodging and you know and apparently Kirill didn't turn up again this time but he has agreed with the Red and White Army to meet them privately because he's out of the country at the minute on business yeah. apparently. So that that is progress because he hasn't met with them yet. Since he assumed he's been here nearly a year now he hasn't met with a fan group yet, and I just think it's important, particularly after everything that's gone on this week, that he shows his boss. That's, yeah, I think it's a. That's it. I think it's a good. You know, from all of this, and there has been a lot of anger over the past couple of days. I think from this comes an opportunity for the club to actually level with people to kind of fully lift up that veil and look, say, right, okay, this is what the situation is. We will be straight with you. We realise we haven't been so far. There's been confusion, but we're going to be honest with you, and that is a really important step, I think, towards rebuilding that trust that has been damaged significantly between the club and the supporter base. So, yeah, if, if Dreyfus does do that, it would be a good step forward. Some other things in the news this week. Uh, Nick Barnes has been on Total Sport this this evening, as I record Thursday evening, giving a little bit of insight into maybe some stuff that they learned at the meeting. Uh, on Wednesday, the, the interesting bits that we picked out were that uh, we interviewed 12 managers for the, for the job Eight of them got second interviews, but one man who didn't get a second interview was Roy Keane, which yeah. is quite interesting. If that is true, that blows out the water quite a lot of the speculation that was going on around the. T- I mean, some outlets were claiming he, he had the job. Yeah, uh, quite a lot of the local media outlets, newspapers, and stuff had written that Roy Keane had received a second interview, but apparently the information we're getting from Nick Barnes is that he didn't get that. Are you surprised about that? No, not really, Gav. To be honest with you, um, because I think you know that there was a. I think there would have been a desire if if Keane and I do believe that was the Keane probably a, a good. He, he was quite interested in the job. I don't think mm. there was any doubt about that. Um, but I I also think that there would have been you know Keane is an he's an impatient man, isn't he? We know that. We know we know what he's like. He doesn't mess about, and maybe he's a little bit mellower now that he you know that some years have passed. But I don't. I think what what probably would have happened is I think the ambiguity would have been. Put off putting for King. I think he would have maybe the idea of working under the current structure might not have appealed to him. We'll probably never know, in fairness. We'll probably never mm. know exactly what's went on. But I think, you know, if we think back to 2006 when Niall Quinn came out and said, I've got a world class name, 
and then a week or so later, Roy Keane's in the job. You know, I think that was a much more seamless transition. And I think such now is the structure that maybe there were a few more hoops to jump through, so to speak. And, you know, maybe it just wasn't for Keane on this particular occasion. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting to hear that, without a doubt. Yeah, other bits and pieces. Uh, Kevin Ball, sadly, after, what, three decades of service has left Sunderland. Nick Barnes gave some more details on that again in the show. He said that Kevin Ball's furlough ended today. Yeah, which I I didn't even consider the fact he might have been. I haven't seen him around the place on or in, you know doing his ambassadorial stuff for a while. So I kind of I think a lot of people assumed that he wasn't even at the club anymore. But apparently, yeah, furlough ended today, uh, and he declined a new role, which that's interesting. Again, maybe they were trying to shuffle him into something else. Yes. But he apparently said no. I know that his son Luke on Twitter said that in good time he'll probably come out and talk about it. But for the time being, we don't know the exact details. But it's sad to see. Ball he leave. I mean, he'll always be part of the club, won't he? But the fact he hasn't actually got a job with the club, it's a little bit sad, actually. Because yeah, in, in my life, in my life, film, and I assume yours, I've only ever known Sunderland and Kevin Ball to be the one and one and the same. Really, he's always, oh, no doubt he is Mister Sunderland. He's tied to the club, you know. You know, for all of time, there's no doubt about that. He's easily the greatest captain I've ever seen play for Sunderland yeah. in, in, in all the years I've followed the club. What an inspiration, you know, an absolute and a warrior of a player, hard as nails, drove his teammates on. Peter Reid's general on the pitch, you know, two promotions, one of which was 105 points, still the best Sunderland team I've ever seen. What a player, what a legacy at Sunderland. He'll, he'll never be forgotten, Gav, no doubt about that. No, it would be nice to get him back on the pod at some point as well. Yeah. Uh, it's been a few years. Right then, we'll move on. We'll move on to our chat about the game at the weekend because, yes. yeah, a lot of people have probably forgot we even have a game. Before me and you get chatting, though, I am now joined by uh, Toby Locke. Toby is a writer for the MK Citizen. Uh, he follows MK Dons as passionately as we do, Sunderland. Uh, Toby, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very well, Gav. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, I'm, I'm imagining you're good because MK Dons are doing so well this season. Sat currently uh, one place above us in the table, two points ahead. Did you imagine that the season would go this well after 32 games? Absolutely not, no. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I'd have, I'd have taken hovering just outside the playoffs at this point of the season because, you know, it's been some horrible dark years for MK Dons over the last five or so. In fact, probably since they got promoted to the championship, it, it's felt like a little bit of a downward spiral. And, you know, last season was the first one where they really felt like they were on the up and ended up finishing 13th, which was probably a little bit of a disappointment with the way they finished the season last year. But, yeah, I don't think anybody could have foreseen the fact that we'd be sitting third in the table at this point and above some of the teams that, that, that sat above as well. And the man obviously responsible for that, or largely responsible for that, Liam Manning, came in from nowhere, really, to take your job. I remember when he took that job, actually, it was a lot of people scoffed at it because nobody knew who he was. Um, but now, I mean, when we were looking for our new manager a few weeks back, people were talking very seriously about the potential of maybe looking at him because of the job he's doing with MK Dons. Just how good a job is he doing? Well, it's, it's been a remarkable change, really, for MK Dons to go from somebody like Russell Martin, who was, you know, a, a known name, albeit not um, in a managerial sense at the time. You know, he's still playing centre-half for MK Dons when he took over the job. Um, to then go to, to Liam Manning, who you rightly mentioned, nobody really heard of. I'm, you know, scraping around on Wikipedia trying to find <laughs> any sort of information about him before he signed up. Um, to try and fill the newspaper, and yeah, it's it's been a it's been a remarkable time um, under Liam. It's certainly been 
a, a continuation, I'd say, of what Russell Martin was doing. It feels like it's been screw tightening and, and just, you know, finding those those neat edges where they were a little bit rough last season. So it's been a little bit of a continuation on from that front. But what MK Dons have done is is just become more of a, a disciplined and uniform sort of side. You know what you can get from MK Dons now, whereas previously they were a little bit stuck in their ways. They'd play possession football for possession's sake. And I think perhaps some Swansea fans will be looking at the Russell Martin way and be thinking similar sort of stuff at the minute from what they're suffering. And um, I think what MK Dons have done now is give themselves a purpose when they have the ball. And that's all down to Liam. You know, he's just told them, cut the waffle out, start playing a little bit more football with your instincts. You know, don't don't play it by a scientific rule book because sometimes that's the better way of doing it. Would you say that he's capable now of taking you on to that next level? Obviously, you sat third in the table, so at this stage, it's very easy probably to say, yeah. But do you think he's he's got the potential to take MK Dons into the championship? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to win the league, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think um, yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, it's a perfect model. At the, the way the MK Dons is set up is that, you know, it's, it's not so much a manager, but a head coach. And, you know, they've got a, a sporting director above Liam who not necessarily calls the shots, but I think between them, they, they, they come to the way of understanding the way that MK Dons want to play the recruitment processes. So, you know, as, as Liam is very much in charge of what side goes out there on a Saturday. Hmm. But I absolutely see no reason as to why he can't take them to the championship. I mean, it's, it's the best opportunity they've had like I say, since 2015, and they had the likes of Deli Ali and Will Grigg and Benekophobia in the side at that time, and mm. you know, absolutely flying and came up against a really good Bristol City side and a, and a Preston side, and they just pipped on the final day. So for Liam, I think it's it's been a real baptism of fire to come into um, you know a League One with such massive clubs in it. But what he's done is is make MK Dons one of those genuine contenders where you think, do you know what, they should be looked at as one of those bigger clubs in the division. Your top scorer, Scott Twine, came in in the summer from Swindon. I've seen various pundits who focus heavily on the EFL talk about how this guy is the best player in the league. I don't know anything about him, but just how good is he? I mean, I guess his record speaks for itself. 13 goals, 9 assists this season in 34 games. Not bad. Yeah, loves a loves a shot from range. Loves, you know, to, to, to look at goalkeepers off their line from 40 yards and think, oh, you know, maybe I can stick it in the top bag. When, when, when he signed, it, it very much felt like he was a like-for-like like player with Scott Fraser, who Don's obviously had last season. So yeah. when he left, I think there was a little bit of a, a sense of surprise, but also a sense of, oh, that's interesting for planning in the sense that Don's had made the move to replace a player who hadn't left yet. Yeah. And what Twiney's done is come in and, and just show that he's probably Scott Fraser mark too, in that sense, in that he does have all of the goals, he does have all of the assists, but he's consistent with it. And, you know, when, when Don's are in a bind... Even even the last minute on um, Saturday against Ipswich, he's had a free kick that the keepers had to tip around the post. And this is in the, into the fifth minute of stoppage time. You know, there's no point in the game where Scott Twine gives up on his thinking about the about scoring a goal. So his numbers have absolutely backed up the fact that he is one of the top players in this division. We were very very surprised that there was not more interest in him in January from from clubs higher up the pecking order. But you know if, if Dons go up next season. There's absolutely no reason they shouldn't be able to keep hold of him. And also in the team at the minute, Connor Wickham, who used to play for Sunderland. How's he getting on? Um, he's an interesting one, Connor Wickham, because obviously he's um, quite injury prone in the last couple of weeks and uh, last couple of weeks, last couple of years, really. He's he's come into MK Dons, and I think a lot of people just assume that he'll just be a big lump target man, to be honest. 
And he's, he's, he brings a lot more to, to the side than that. He's not necessarily going to be, I think, an out-and-out goal scorer for them. I think he can offer something a little bit different. He's still a, a big guy, can play that hold-up role, but won't necessarily, Dons won't necessarily change the way they play just to fit him in. And, um, you know, not long off having interviewed him ahead of the game, actually, and he, he, he said he remembers his time at, at, at Sunderland very fondly and um, particularly his, his brace against MK Dons in the League Cup back in 2013. <laughs> I had to pick his brains about that one. But, um, you know, he's, he's one of those players I think can add such vast experience and it can only give the dressing room a, um, you know, a big boost by having somebody like that in. Yeah, and on to Saturday then, are you confident? I mean, we met earlier in the season, Sunderland just edged it 2-1, but mm. uh, things have changed since then. So are you confident? Well, that was Liam's first game in charge, actually. And, um, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was one of those where you think, you know, both sides have gone through such fundamental changes since then. I think, you know, the similarities will be, well, they'll be few and far between, I think, between the two sides from where they were back in August. So it should be a really interesting game because Dons have, have done the business away from home more often than not this season. You know, they've picked up wins against Wigan. They've picked up wins against Wickham away from home where previously it would have been places that like that where Dons would have struggled and that's where their promotion hopes would have sort of fallen apart. So I'm going up there with a with a, a vague sense of confidence. But, you know, in this league, you never can tell, can you? I mean, Doncaster seem to be picking up crazy results every now and then. And all of a sudden, you know, they're still in and around that drop zone. So I just, not a gambling man at the best of times, but I certainly wouldn't like to put money on this one. But uh, I think if we can, if we can come away, if, if, if it's an entertaining score draw, then I think everybody will probably be looking at that game pretty happy and thinking, okay, we've we've avoided the, the banana skin. Don't lose to the teams around you. Don't drop points to them. Get out of Dodge and get back down the motorway. If I could push you for a score, what are you saying? <laughs> I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go two each. Two each. two each is yeah. I think if if it's two each, I think we can we can all just like like I say, we can all think. Oh, we watch a cracking game of football there, and um, yeah, we'll all leave fairly happy. I reckon. Well, thanks for your time, Toby. Appreciate it, and good luck for the rest of the season. Nice one. Thanks so much, mate. That was Toby Locke from the MK Citizen. Uh, thanks very much to Toby for his time. It was actually I actually gave him about five minutes notice, and he was like, "Yeah, no problem. I'll chat to you." So <laughs> yeah, we'll be definitely getting Toby back uh, hopefully when. Uh, we see them next season, maybe in the championship. I don't know. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Probably yeah. highly Not likely. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we've got uh, a huge, huge game. When you think about it, Phil, I mean, we've spent quite a lot of time talking about everything else going on around the club. We've spent as a collective fan base very little time this week talking about the team, the manager, or anything. Yeah. Um But this game's massive. They're they're the place above us. Crucially, they are the team who around us have played the same amount of games. Yeah. So there's a lot of weight in winning this game for both teams. And for us, I mean, our form recently has been dreadful. To win such a big game at home would be massive, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be a huge boost for everybody, Gav. Um, very big game, as you said. Alex Neal's debut in the home dugout as well. I think he'll get a good reception, actually. I think he'll be well received by the fans because I think that you know a lot of people have been impressed by the way he's conducted himself so far. We are going into the game at least having stopped the decline, you know, of 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 of, of defeats, you know, the run of defeats with that draw at uh, Wimbledon uh, last week, which was, you know, which wasn't the, the worst result in the world. It could have been better. Um, I think, you know, I think with the the reason I'm quite optimistic about this this game, Gav, is um, I think as you said, with all the other stuff that's been going on around the club this week, I think the players' hope for the and Alex Neil would have been able to tune all that out and really just focus on the task at hand, and that's getting themselves as as best prepared for this game 
as it can possibly be. And I think the way Alex Neal spoke after the game against Wimbledon, he sounded as if he couldn't wait to get on the training ground with him and get some yeah. proper training sessions, um, get to know the players, start building those personal relationships as mm. well. So yeah. I think with you know with a bit with a week's good training under their belt and Neil getting um, himself settled in, I think we should be reasonably optimistic about it. I'm I'm quite um, excited about this game. Yeah, we got some. I know it's not in, including this game, but uh, Nick Barnes revealed that Nathan Broadhead's only ten days away. 09 about two weeks so all yeah they're not going to make the next few games uh but that's good news on on the injury front team wise what would you do i'm i'm torn to be honest i think you know there were there were aspects of what we did down at wimbledon that were pleasing but yes. ultimately we're, we're still conceding goals you know i know it was a daft penalty but we still conceded a goal there games before that we've been leaking them for fun at the other end of the pitch you know the big man up front's not scoring at the minute yeah, is there anything you change immediately that, to that team? Um, I, well, I mean, the, the the obvious one is you know, would you is Jermaine Defoe ready to start? And I'm not convinced he is quite yet. I think he w- will start to play more of a role. Um, it's Dan Neil, Gav, that I keep wondering about. You know, whether to take him mm-hmm. out with the firing line because he does look as if he needs a break just to kind of recharge. Um, and again, you know, the dips that the dip that he's going through at the minute, I don't think it's unexpected for a young player making his way, in, you know, in in senior football. Um, I, I, I would be slightly tempted to go unchanged, actually, um, to be honest with you, Gav. I, you know, I, I think that there were elements of the Wimbledon performance that were reasonably encouraging. Um, and there were other bits that, that weren't necessarily too encouraging. So, yeah, I, I would be I would be slightly tempted to go unchanged, actually. I think he, I think Neil might give these players... Cause it's good, obviously, because it's a home game as well, and he's obviously got the benefit of getting to know them a bit better. Mm-hmm. I think he might be slightly tempted to say, well, OK, lads, I'll stick with you. Go out there, show me what you've got, and if we need if we make ch- need to make changes, we can do that later in the game. Because he was proactive with these substitutions on Saturday, which was encouraging to see. So, yeah, I would I would probably be tempted to stick with an unchanged team personally, Gav. Yeah, I mean, the, we've played a lot of teams recently who haven't been in good form. Yeah, and have they've they, they've managed to sort of get points out of us, and that's worrying. Yeah, but I, I was just looking at MK Dons their last two games that they they had a goalless draw at home. Um, with Ipswich and looking at the statistics, it looked like they didn't play well. They only had four shots, less than fifty percent possession. You know, yeah. which isn't unlike them. Game before that, they threw away their lead against Fleetwood and drew one all. Yeah, again, not really impressive in front of goal. Uh, I know Toby was really optimistic when I was talking to him. You know, they they're having a great season, so they're not going to grumble at a couple of points. But it makes that. It makes that desire to win the points against us just that little bit more intense, I guess. I yeah. know it's intense for us. For them, they 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 know they need to win as much as we do. And I'm yeah, I'm just it it, it feels like it should be a turning point if we can win this game. It would you know, be, yeah. I mean, it, for you know, for confidence as well as as um, everybody's optimism for the rest of the season because. You know, I know that automatic promotion is not mathematically impossible yet, but you'd have to say that it would take a you know an, an incredible. Runner form from us and Wigan and Rotherham collapsing spectacularly if we order to do that. So maybe the playoffs are a more realistic target. And in that sense, it's a very important game because the table in and around that area is starting to get very bunched up as well. So every point could be crucial for us, um, Gav, you know, between now yeah. and the end of the season. So, and I, mean, I have to be honest, I didn't expect MK Dons to be where they are. I hold my hands up. I didn't think they would be at this, you know, at this stage of the season where they are in the league, but they've done very, very well. They're playing some very good football. Um, and they, and I think you're right. They will see this as a massive opportunity because if they could come to Sunderland, turn us over, 
that gives them a massive injection of confidence. So it's one of those knife edge games, Gav, where mm-hmm. you know the winner is going to feel like they can really kick on, and the loser is going to feel as if you know as if the sun's not going to rise on Sunday morning. So mm. it's one of those high stakes games, and we've seen before. I remember when Ipswich came to the stadium like earlier in the season. Everybody was saying, well, you know, we're in bad form and they're going to turn us over. We kept on going right at the end and we somehow came out with a 2-0 victory. So, you know, if we can respond, if we can kind of, if when the pressure comes on, we can respond, which we've been patchy at that, to say the least. There's no reason why we can't win on Saturday. And I think, again, with, you know, with, I think Alex and don't have the players really, you know, charged up and ready to go. You know, after after a week with mm-hmm. no game midweek, I think they'll be ready for it. Hope you're right. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Me too. desperate. Yeah. Desperate for a win. I mean, I was talking to, um, to Tom White earlier on from Tom, who he's been on a few times, Tom from Sky Sports, and uh, he's properly depressed. I think um, most fans are at the minute. We just need a lift. We just yeah, need we a do. win. We just need a, we need a win. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at MK Don's fixtures coming up. Uh, they've got us, so we're, we're fourth, they're third. That's a big game. Charlton yeah. away won't be easy. They've got Bolton, who are looking actually... Like a late contender for a playoff spot. Yeah, they're starting they're, to push them together now. They're only eight points off. They're sitting in tenth, so they're not a million miles away, and they're gonna be, they're gonna be up for it. I mean, we know how good they are. Or they can oh be. yes. Um. Then they've got Rotherham away. They play they play Cheltenham, which you would expect them to win, but then they've got Wigan. So yeah. MK Dons in the next six six games have got, I would say four, arguably five difficult games, starting with us. If we can win somehow, and that's then them without. A win in three games, losing to a promotion rival, puts the pressure back on them. You it know, does. and I mean, ultimately, I think we've just got to try our best. And it's hard to say. We just got to try our best to focus on our own results. At the minute, we're in shocking form. There's no denying it. You know, there's no we've denying to, it. We've we've got we've got to win this game. Yeah, we've got to just start taking small steps forward again. And as, as I said, you know, I think the you know at least at Wimbledon last week, although we didn't win the game, we at least kind of pulled the handbrake on on the downward spiral that we were undoubtedly on. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know we've got to. We just need to get that victory from somewhere. You know, if the ball goes in, you know, if it ricochets off someone's backside, or if it goes in, you know, with a freakish deflection or something like that, we just need that that spark from somewhere. You know, because once we get that, there's no reason we couldn't get on a run again. But when you're in this rut as we are now, you've just got to hope that a, a lucky bounce of the ball falls your way. So for me, Gav. Even though I'm optimistic about Saturday, for me, it's to hell with the aesthetics of the game. Let's just win the thing. You know, if we have to grind it out, if it gets a bit ugly, so be it. But we have to be on the right side of that scoreline when the full-time whistle blows, without a doubt. What's your gut telling you? What do you think is going to happen? Um, my gut says 2-1 to us. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, oof. I mean, Sunderland are just so weird this season. Like We've been on some crap runs like... I think we're we're now without a defeat in through the last three games we've we've not won have we so yeah I think the last time we won was Portsmouth and I just I don't know I feel like we've got it in us to win this game oh we do yeah you know? if we can put everything together you know if we, if we can if we can if we can get individual players back to somewhere near their best form there's no reason we can't because these aren't these are not these are not players who lack talent Gav you know they're just in a bit of a downward a downturn in form they're lacking confidence. The belief has kind of ebbed out of them in recent weeks, visibly. You can see that from their body language. But, you know, if, if they go into that changing room on Saturday night having won that game, they'll be bouncing. They'll be absolutely yeah. bouncing. And then they'll think to themselves, right, we've won one. We can win another and another and another. And then from that, you just start to get on a run again. So could be a turning point for the season, without a doubt. 
I'm going for 2 0. I'll say 2 0. There we go. Of. Some optimism yeah. from Gary. Yeah, we, we, need, we need to finish with a bit of positivity. It's been a crap week, as we yeah. all know. Uh, we'll be back after the game with a reaction pod, all the usual stuff on roteReport.com through the week, before the game, after the game, etc. Make sure you catch up with that. Me and Phil will be back at some point. I think I'm probably on on Sunday. So, yeah, we'll catch you all uh, next time. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.